Hello, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Chronicles of War. I'm Darren Michael Shaw, the story's author. Chronicles of War is a work of historical fiction chronicling the experience of an ancestor of mine, Job Trites, and members of his family during the Civil War. It's been a, a melting together of genealogy, or looking back into my family history and records, of research pouring through hundreds of Civil War records and histories, and creativity attempting to add some flesh and bones to the pencil sketches that survive of the events. It's my privilege to share this story with you. Thanks for coming along. I'll share some website and contact information with you at the end of this podcast. For now, here's Episode 11, Chronicles of War. August 9th, 1862. Without looking up from his whittling, Job said, I will enlist today. Are you going because of your belief in this cause, or so that you're not the only man in DeWitt to refuse? Harriet knew the answer to the question. Her husband believed strongly in the cause, and so did she. Still, though, they had both come to the same conclusion. The sobriety that accompanied the declaration of today was halting. This community does move me, Job confessed. I spoke with Asa yesterday. He had just watched his eldest son, Winston, enlist. His younger son, Samuel, was also asking to report, but Asa and Anna were hoping that he would stay home and help tend to the family business. They must have given in. I saw their carriage pass a half hour ago. What have you been waiting for? Harriet's question drew Job's eyes up to meet hers. I've been praying for a sign. And the Bates carriage provided that for you? No, Job said. I asked God to make it rain. Job, it's been raining for three days. I know, but the detail has been here for three days. Winking at her, Job continued, I hope maybe the sky would clear. Shall I go with you? No need for both of us to be drenched. I'll go. This won't take long. Job wrapped his whittling up in its leather bag and dropped it alongside his chair. I'll be back before noon. Harriet watched her husband pull on his boots and then gather his rain gear for the walk to the meeting house. He doesn't look like a soldier, she thought to herself. His hands evidenced years of farming. His skin was weathered by the many seasons. But the hard work had kept him young in other ways. He was firm head to toe. There wasn't a gray hair to be found on his head among the unruly, ruddy locks. He approached every day with wide-eyed wonder and boyish enthusiasm. Back before noon, he reminded her as he stepped out the door and into the deluge. Job felt as if he was caught between two worlds. There was this one, the reality of mud on his boots and what these torrential rains would mean to his farm and, and those of his neighbors, the needs of his children with a new school year on the horizon, and the declining health of his parents and what that could mean in the coming months. And then there was the other world, a union being threatened by rebellion, a president that wasn't recognized by a handful of southern states, and the definitions of freedom and liberty under a psalm. Yet still, miles away from here, 
and Job's muddy walk across the commons. Job trites, a voice broadcast across the room as Job stepped into the meeting house. John Stearns was a rotund man with a larger-than-life personality. His presence was conspicuous in every setting. When the man laughed, different regions of his girth shook in symphony. He perspired as if he were exerting great energy even when his body was at rest. A very successful banker, Stearns knew everyone in town, but as Harriet and Job were all too well aware, that also meant that he knew everybody's business. I figured the union wages would get a farmer like you to enlist. John Stearns said those words loud enough for everyone in the hall, Job imagined, to have heard him. That farm of yours has always been slow to cash. Job had never struck a man in anger, nor had he uttered a cruel word. But John Stearns, in his mouth, carried Job to the brink. Are you here to enlist, Mr. Stearns? Job asked half-mockingly. Quieting down, John answered, No, not me. My son John Edward is enlisting. I'll remain here and continue to serve this town's interests. You here to enlist? A soldier interrupted their conversation. I am, Job replied. Do they already have your name? No, I've just come to the decision today. That line over there, see the captain. As Job moved into the appropriate line, he thought about John Stern's mention of wages. The union offered $13 a month to enlistees. While that wasn't much, it would relieve the Trites family of some of the burden of Job's absence. In recent years, they'd moved beyond corn, grain, and seed-bearing crops to include a small apple orchard and even a very humble stock of sheep. The apples and the wool were, for the most part, trade commodity rather than cash flow. Job thought that his absence and the resulting lull in some of their farming endeavors might actually serve as a Sabbath of sorts for his land. Job had even entertained the thought of leasing some of his land to Horace Dawson, a black farmer who arrived in DeWitt a year earlier from Lee County. Dawson was a most capable farmer, and his wife, Lara May, had become very good friends with Harriet. They hoped to expand their farm, but were having difficulty acquiring land. While the plan still remained a possibility, Dawson had, for a time, returned to Keosauqua to barter. The percussion of rain on the meeting house roof brought the conversation inside to greater than normal volumes. The competition of human voices over nature and over one another left Job feeling unsettled. He watched around the room as the scene evolved, a father hugging his son, a corporal pointing out instructions to new arrivals, a couple of men with their heads bowed in prayer, some people laughing, some people with somber expressions on their faces, some people simply looking confused. And that's what Job imagined his own look to be, confusion, as he took it all in. He thought it strange that he didn't see any women in the hall, not one. As best he knew, there was no rule prohibiting them from being present. Had the women from the community chosen to stay away, Harriet, after all, had offered to accompany her husband. Had other wives and mothers made such an offer? How was it that this place was full of the town's fathers and sons, and not a mother or daughter was to be found? You served before? A lieutenant asked of Job as he made the front of the line. No, sir. How old are you? Thirty-nine. Are you a clergyman? Job thought that question very strange. 
What had given this man the idea that he was a minister? No, a farmer. Too bad, the man said. We need a chaplain. Write your name here and then wait to be called. The lieutenant collected Job's name and then shuffled him aside. A clergyman, Job smiled as he thought to himself. Wait until I tell Harriet. concludes episode 11 of Chronicles of War. I've been so encouraged to see the new subscribers that are added in each week. Subscribers are pouring in from all over the United States and, and countries around the world. Thank you for helping me get the word out. Please continue to tell others about this podcast. If you're an iTunes subscriber, take a second and, and leave a comment or a review there through the iTunes site. Let others know what you think of the podcast. I'd encourage you to take a moment and stop by my website, www.darrenmichaelshaw.com, where you can learn more about me and some of my other writing projects. Please also consider posting a comment or sending me an email. I'd love to make your acquaintance. My email address is darren at darrenmichaelshaw.com. Again, allow me to thank you for listening. It's truly a privilege for me to share this story with you. Until next time. I'm Darren Michael Shaw. Blessings.